How's that better? Check one, two, three. Thank you. If I talk like this, it's because I'm trying to get my lips toward the lapel microphone. I'm not having a very tender moment. I'm just trying to get my voice down there. Okay, is this, is this high enough? Okay, good morning. I want to begin by thanking uh, Brian Craig and the entire worship team for helping us get closer to God. And uh, worship is such, you know, the music ministry is such an important piece of the worship puzzle. And I don't know about you, but I do much better in worship when I feel like I'm being led in worship in a certain direction. And it really helps my heart. And I do appreciate, you know, Bruce and Robin Williams are visiting with us from Orange County. They've been leading our coastal L.A. region. And in part, they are the driving force to take care of us and love us and to make sure that we are continually taking it higher in worship. So I want to thank Bruce and Robin publicly for that, the gentle nudge in that direction. Uh, I hope you're encouraged this morning. It, did I do that? Why you do me like that, bro? It's all about momentum up here. Please don't break it. Anyone can be can be great, but a bit of boo. Anyone can be great because anyone can serve. Now, whose ministry do you want to be in? The one on the right or the one on the left? You know, here's the premise of the lesson. I thought I would just tell you in the first couple of sentences so you know where I'm going. When we watch the Hope video or the pictures of our Martin Luther King Day on Hope and we painted the building, we saw Brian Plymel sitting in the bathroom with that roller. You know, that's Brian on the left and he's washing the feet, quote unquote, of the ministry. But I had the recent privilege of being in appointments with Brian and watching him negotiate a contract for the lease of a potential new facility. And I thought, you know, anybody can take a paintbrush or a roller, but not many people can negotiate a contract like Brian Plymel can. And I say that not to diminish any of you. If any of you are going, oh, great, bro, that was me with the paintbrush, and that's all I can do. No, 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 that's not the premise of the lesson. There's a lot more than you can do, and you need to feel great about having a paintbrush in your hand. Amen? You need to feel great if you did that, but that's really the premise of the lesson is, as we're going to see in the Scripture, and really the goal for me today is to open up your mind in that second bullet point and expand your definition of what you think it means to serve in God's church. That is the goal of the lesson today, is can I persuade you to expand your mind to see about what it really means by definition to serve in God's kingdom? I think a lot of us, when we think about servanthood, we think of on the left. And we're going to see this this morning in the scripture that in the book, of John chapter 13, Jesus did wash the feet of the disciples. Amen? Amen? And he did to teach us that there is should be nothing, church, that is beneath us when it comes to serving God's kingdom. But show me in the scriptures in the gospel where Jesus said, I came to build a band of brothers that would become foot washers. We don't see that in the scripture. JFK said, ask not what you can do for your country, but ask what, I'm sorry, ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. 
I want us to ask this question and pray to God, except not for our country, but it will be for our community. I want us to pray as a church, what can we do, Church of Christ, to serve our community? I want to thank Rick Mark for his hard work with Hope Worldwide locally. And the great bridge that he has built into the Boys and Girls Club and having Oscar here. And, you know, it's been Rick's vision to put a footprint in this community. It's been a lot about his faith and his hard work. He's really living out his faith in a very real way. If we look at the book of Matthew, about this concept of serving. Jesus says this when he's referring to Christians who have the Holy Spirit in verse 14. He says, you know, you are the light of the world and a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Now listen to verse 15. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to what? To everyone in the house. I think this is what it really means in this passage to be doing what God intended us to do. And I think where we get conflicted and worn out and confused is when we're trying to be something or do something that we were not intended to do for God. And then we begin to hide, as Jesus talks about in this passage, the light or the gift or the strength that God gives us to serve in our communities. Are you ready to expand the definition of servanthood? Are you ready, teens? Are you ready, teens? Are you ready, campus? Marrieds, are you ready? Singles? Okay, you ready for this one? Honored visitors? Okay, all right. We've never done that before, so I wanted to be the first. (laughs) Okay. I wanted to do that. What about the MDs? Are you ready? Shauna just threw me under the bus because I forgot you guys. I'm so sorry. Okay, when you hear the word servant, what comes to mind? When you hear the word servant in the context of the Christian faith, you maybe think of a lot of things. Here's what I think a lot of people think of. When we hear, bro, sister, I need you to serve. I think one of the first things that we've been conditioned to believe is it's necessary. What I'm being asked to do is completely necessary to the function and the mission of the church, but not that pleasant. And so we go into hard labor on the left, shackled by a ministry leader there in the camis with the belt on. More bricks, less straw. That's the campus ministry right there. The campus ministry is on fire. You guys have been an inspiration to us. 2010 was the golden year. Let's make 2011 the platinum year. Amen? Because it leads to a lot of problems. You see that, baby? That's how people feel. If I'm asked to serve or if I, I, you know, I know I'm going to be asked to do something in the church, but it's going to be something that I really don't want to do. Look how happy that baby is. 
<laughs> He's fired up. Notice the parent's face is not in that photo. But then also, you know, being, being asked to serve is just something unnatural or we feel like we're never going to kind of get to where we should be going because we're busy doing this lesser thing. So we're like Alfred. Remember Alfred from Batman? How many of you are convinced that Alfred in his secret moment wanted to slide down that bat pole constantly? He's like, man, I'm tired of, I'm tired of picking up the phone in the bat cave. I want to go down that pole. And I'm not going down on Robin's side. I'm going down on Batman's side. Necessary. But unpleasant. I hope today that we'll expand our thinking. That that's not at all what God intended our service to be. If we look at Matthew 25, verse 15, we're not going to, these three passages you can just write down. We're going to study Matthew 20, and we're going to look at Genesis chapter 37, but when you look at these three passages, what you find out in Matthew 25, verse 15, that before time, God has given us strengths and gifts according to our ability. And in the parable of the talents, he gives us this charge and this understanding that if I give you something and you, by choice, use it, it's going to multiply. And then Jesus says, then you will return and you will share in the joy or in the happiness of the Christian life. That is what the scripture bears out. So if you're doing what you have intended to, you were intended to do, and you're not hiding it under a bowl, your joy and your impact in your life, it's going to flourish and it's going to thrive. How many of you enjoy watch Brian Craig lead us in worship? He is such a gift to the kingdom. He's doing specifically what God intended him to do. And you see it on his face and we experience it. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, do you believe when Paul says to the church in Ephesus that, you know, we were created in Christ Jesus ahead of time to do great works? That there is a great work ahead of you. Again, remember your definition of what it means to serve in the kingdom. There's a great work ahead of you. A lot of us are conditioned to think that service in the kingdom goes back to that first slide where that means I'm going to have to be washing some feet. We think that way. Not on a tennis court serving looking like Nick Simonelli. I had a vision for Nick. I'm going to share that today publicly. I also had a vision for Anna G and Charlene Geppert and a handful of you about ways of serving. You know, book of Revelation, chapter 3, verse 7? Don't get nervous. It's a good one. Brent is turning red. Brent, her husband, is turning red. Revelation 3, 7. The Spirit says through John there that, you know, when God opens a door, a man can't shut it. You know, we get too hung up about sometimes the people around us. We get way too focused we get convinced that sometimes the people around us, and we need people around us. We need people around us that are spiritual. We need people around us that have God's spirit, that have the Bible open, that want to encourage, comfort, and urge us. But if you look at Joseph's life, which we're going to look at here, let's go to Genesis chapter 37. We forget that when God has a plan for our life, it cannot be stopped by man. It is God's plan. When God places something before us and we are listening and we're praying, 
Revelation 3 says, look, if I open the door, a man can't shut it. Now, if I shut the door, a man cannot open it. Genesis chapter 37. I am with you. And we look at this concept of when God places something on our hearts that we want to do something great. And we believe we've got some kind of a gift or we're searching for a way to use something that we believe God has given us. It is a strength, but we don't quite know how to use it yet. We learn this from Genesis chapter 37 about Joseph when God put this dream on his heart. And he would rise up, as we know through the scriptures, he would rise up to become the second most powerful man in Egypt. But first he had to go through the kind of opposition that most of us would quit. In verse 5 of chapter 37, Joseph had a dream. It's interesting that Martin Luther King had one thousands of years later. Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheave rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he said. Then he had another dream. And he told his brothers, I'm surprised they even listened. Listen, he said, I had another dream and this time the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him. But his father kept the matter in mind. You know, what do we, or what should we expect when God does set something before us and we have this desire to do something for God and we think, you know, there's something that uniquely I have in my life that I can offer to the world. I just don't know how to express it. Well, is it a dream or is it a desire? That's a different study for the sermon today. But what I want to place before you is this concept that when God speaks to you and I, and he places something before us, and we feel compelled to pursue, and we believe it's spiritual, the pathway to that being fulfilled will be like Joseph. Joseph was later in that account thrown into a cistern by his own brothers. He was sold into slavery twice, but then stood before Potiphar. And Pharaoh is the second most powerful person. In Egypt, where am I going with this? I want us to change our definition or be open to what it means to serve God in his kingdom. When Joseph's brothers heard that Joseph was willing to do something like this for God, they were jealous and they hated him. As we study the book of Matthew, turn with me there, Matthew chapter 20. It's interesting, it's a pattern. You know, the title or the theme this month is 
Anyone can be great because anyone can serve. Here's the one thing I landed on in the study that really, really ministered to me as I was praying this morning down by the water. It really moved me and it really comforted me. That in my quest to want to do something great for God, two things have to be in place that will guard my heart so that I don't have to agonize over, is this just my ambition? Or if it's God, God's plan. Here are the two things that I heard God in prayer or I came to as a conclusion in my prayer about greatness. Number one, it's got to benefit other people. Your greatness must benefit other people. And secondly, if you confess to be a Christian, you've got to recognize specifically that it has been and is God that has allowed you to complete this work that other people are benefiting from. Amen. Thank you. Matthew 20, verse 20. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons, kneeling down. Was she motivated? Asked a favor of him. What is it that you want? He asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You know, I thought about it before we go any further. It's interesting. It's, I wonder whose idea was that? Was that really... Hers or theirs? I mean, I thought about it as I read the rest of the study. You know, these are James and John. These are also referred to as the sons of what? These are the sons of thunder. Kind of like Luke and Daniel Steinke. They make a ruckus everywhere they go. So I don't know if it was mom or it was really their idea. But she makes this audacious request. Let my sons ride on your greatness as you liberate our great nation. Let them come beside you in glory and all that prestige and power that is going to come alongside of the healing in the liberation of Israel. Jesus says to them in verse 23, you and me, I'm sorry, verse 22, you don't know what you are asking, Jesus said to them, can you drink the cup? I'm going to drink. And now he turns to the, uh, the brother, you know, the sons of thunder. Oh yeah, we can. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have prepared for by my father. Now, the ten respond a lot like Joseph's brothers. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercised authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to become first must be your slave. But was greatness discouraged by when Jesus 
is that asked, if my sons become great and the next step up, we would like this form of greatness. Did Jesus discourage their request to be great? Not at all. But what he did do was he redirected it. He didn't diminish. He didn't steal their joy. He didn't steal their dream. He said, that's fine. If you want the greatness, here's the pathway to the greatness. It's got to be to benefit others. It's secondly, it's got to be to recognize God. And I believe that really is the death of self. It's a thought about success, and you know, the two points that I have. If you want to find your greatness, well, I think, one, you've got to discover your strength. You've got to discover your strength. If you want to find greatness in God's church, what do you do well? What has God placed before you? What, what experiences and resources, where have you come from? And you have to discover what you do well. Then you've got to be willing to do it. And that's the death to self. The death to self is denying yourself to do what you do well, but doing it so that what? Other people benefit. Before we go to Acts 6, I did have some notes here. I thought, you know, imagine a day. We talked about that thing with Brian Pinnell and that roller in his hand. I did have enough notes here, but I think that they're gone. That's interesting. Okay. Isn't that unfortunate? Oh, yeah, You know, imagine today, talk about serving gifts. And the second point is about deploying them. That's a military term. It's a cool word. Deploy, it means to send it out, to spread it out, much like a parachute. The mind is like a parachute, only works when it's open. One of the only time I went skydiving back in the 80s, they don't do it, they did it a little bit differently back then. It's called a static cord release. And a static cord release is when you have a line attached to your harness and to the plane, and then they slow the airplane down to about 80 miles an hour, and you walk out on the wing strut. And your instructor's here, and then you're on the wing strut, and they tell you to let your feet go. And then you're flapping like this on the wing strut. <laughs> and you're looking up at a circle up on the bottom of the wing. And then your instructor, when he gives you the thumbs up, what you've got to do is you've got to let go of the wing strut and you've got to arch your back properly and you've got to keep looking up at the plane. And I thought at that moment, wow, I can actually, this is a good chance I can survive this. But I let out a holler when I saw that. When you see your, your chute open up and you're skydiving, you become ecstatic. <laughs> you do. You're like, I can live another day! But we got to discover what we do well, and then we got to do it. Imagine a day, you know, I was thinking about some of the characters here in, in the fellowship. We've got a great cast of people here, but from young to old. You know, I was thinking about Tom O'Brien. I love Tom. You know, Tom is a coach at, at Gar High School. 
And I was thinking, he's the closest thing we have to Rex Ryan as a coach. You know, he's, he reminds me a little bit of Rex Ryan. Rex Ryan is the head coach of the New York Jets, who will be winning the Super Bowl, hopefully, shortly. Um, the New York Jets, not the New Jersey Jets. But, you know, I just thought about people being in their elements. I mean, could you imagine, you know, Tom O'Brien trying to sell shoes at, shoes at the Nordstrom Rack? You know, I, I couldn't picture that. You know, I went down the list and I thought about people that do things well and doing them in their element. And I thought about this concept of redefining service. And I thought about, you know, Anna G. Anna G is a chiropractor. And she's a good chiropractor. You know, once we were out at youth, youth and family ministry night and someone had hurt their back earlier that day and she had this guy on the ground working and adjusting him. And I thought, you know, that's serving the kingdom. And I thought, wouldn't it be great if Anna did one month, one day out of the month, she did free adjustments. And I thought, man, what a great idea that would be. And how we would all benefit from her great, great, uh, her great gift. And then I thought, you know, Charlene Gebert is a lawyer. And I thought, you know, it would be great to put, you know, a, a broom in Charlene's hand or a paintbrush, but wouldn't it be even greater if one day out of the month she gave us free legal advice? Free? And I thought, you know, I gotta get the whole church on board with this. What would it be like? You know, Chris Dominguez, he changes oil. How about a free oil change service? I'm thinking, man, how great life could be. You know, Makoto and Vera, I mean, super musically inclined. We need to get them to teach worship in some function in the church. But we got to get in the zone. We have to find what we do. And we need to do it well. Chris Stanton. Chris is a great athlete. But I couldn't, I couldn't picture him reading poetry at a coffee house. You know what I'm saying? We got to do what we do well and serve with our strengths. Look at Acts chapter 6. We got to serve with our strengths. I'm not implying that we don't do things that we're, you know, encouraged to do and it's great. You know, we need to sweat, we need to work hard and we get together and do these events and everybody's super hard working. That's not what this message is about. That message is not about you don't need to be doing that. It, there's nothing beneath us. That's what Jesus taught us. There's nothing beneath us. The message is about redefining service in the kingdom. That you should be doing what you do well for the benefit of others. Not these obscure things that you always feel like, well, when is it my turn? Well, if you feel that way, you're not doing what you were intended to do. You're not using the strength and the gifts that God has placed in you. Do you believe me yet? Come on. Do you believe me? All right. You're like, no, I don't really believe you, but I'll study it out for myself, bro. Amen. Be the Acts 17 brain. Look at this passage, Acts chapter 6. Verse 1, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing, that's 2010 in the campus ministry and also in the marriage ministry and MD ministry here in Great Long Beach, the Grecian Jews among them complained about the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word in order to wait on tables. 
Brothers, choose seven men among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. What a great passage. Why is it great? I think it's great because the next time I'm asked to sweep up or move a table, I'm going to be like, look, I can't be neglecting prayer and the ministry of the Word. I can't be... I can't be doing that. I, I got to go out there and pray and read my Bible. No, it doesn't mean that. But what it does mean is that these folks were clear on what they were called to do as a priority, and they did it. In closing, That's our, our hope for you this morning. It's for all of us. You know, we're doing our vision talks this month, and uh, if you're visiting with us, we want to welcome you in. Um, please join us. We're sitting down together. We're praying. We're opening up the scriptures, and we're trying to discern, you know, what are our strengths and how can we use them in 2011 uh, to grow a Christian family, to impact our communities, and we want to welcome you out to be a part of that. Part of that process is discovering the strength. And we hope that you'll join us. We have a couple of tools to do that. We've got books, we've got online services, but we pray that you will make it your goal that in 2011 that we will move off of lesser things and we will move off of the past, good, bad, or indifferent, and we will look. And that's really my charge for you this morning is to really pray about how can you serve your community with the strength and the gift that God has placed inside of you? Church, do not hide it under a bowl. Be clear on what you do well. Everybody in here does something really well. You do. You just need to be clear on it, and you need to do it in the honor of God. Amen? As we take communion, we're going to finish that text out. In Matthew 20, Jesus completes this teaching and he changes the definition of what it meant to be great for those that followed him. And he, he didn't diminish their drive and desires, but he turned it on the benefit of other people. They would be serving, they would be performing miracles, not just washing feet, they would be raising the dead, healing the sick. He would be doing those things and they would be watching and learning. And at the end of that teaching, he says, and remember this in verse 28. Remember me, the Son of Man. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. A ransom is what Jesus was for us because we were imprisoned, enslaved, kidnapped, and captured. This morning as we take communion, we're going to bow in just a moment and we're going to take the bread in our hand and we'll take the fruit of the vine. And for the Christian, it is, it's our faith that we believe that Jesus is coming back. He instructed us to take the bread and to drink the cup and said, remember me, my body was given for you. And at judgment, 
I will welcome you into the kingdom because of my body and my blood. There will be no deed that you will do on earth to get you into the gates of heaven. He's saying, remember me when I do this. And this morning, church, in light of the lesson, I want to ask you to not just remember the sin that you've been forgiven of, but I want to ask us also this morning that we, you would ask God, you and I, that we would be set free from small thinking. And we'd be set free from things that hold us back to be everything that God intended us to be. And we would strive to be great the way Jesus has taught us what it meant to be great. To give our lives away so that others would gain. And one day we would be in heaven with him. Amen? Amen. Let's bow together as we meditate on the communion. Father, thank you so much for these amazing teachings, God. Father, we're so grateful that we get to come here. Uh, certainly, it is such an amazing day, and we're all relatively healthy, and I know that we have the aches and strains of life. And God, we come before you, and we know we're sinful. And yet, as we eat the bread and we drink the fruit of the vine, we remember Christ, and it is such a, a mystery and it is such a joy to know that the Scripture teaches us that when we do this in remembrance of Him, that we are forgiven of every sin. Father, we pray a special prayer today that you would forgive us for neglecting whatever ministry that we might, or you have put before us, and that we would use the gifts that you have so graciously installed in us, that we would discover them if we're not clear. Father, we would deploy them when they are known. And that God, our gifts, would make this community, our communities, a faithful place. God, thank you for such a special day as this. Thank you that we get to even eat the Lord's Supper. We get to remember Christ. and We get the greatest example from a man who would wash feet to a man who would receive the nails in his own wrists and ankles. Father, we are amazed by you and how you love us. Thank you, God, for today. And a special prayer for all those that are weak and sick. Thank you for strengthening the Kibbik and the Santos family as they grieve their loss. Thank you, God, for the wonderful lives you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen.